0: Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast. I'm your host, Bob Asman, and I'm glad you decided to join us for another episode. And uh, I say this uh, often, but I'm really excited to have... Tabitha Dunn joining us today on the podcast. Um, someone that I've known for a number of years who has an extensive background in customer experience. And uh, we're looking forward to having Tabitha um, uh, share her thoughts and perspectives with us today. So, Tabitha, welcome and please introduce yourself to our listeners.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, Bob. And my thanks to all of you out there who are listening. Who are on this the CX journey with us. Um I am fortunate to do something I truly love uh and currently what I do is uh, I'm building my 6th customer experience practice from the ground up. You heard that right, 6 times. Um in a global B2B role it has been what each one of them has been over the years in different industries and I think what I am most excited about is Even though I've been doing this for for 20 plus years, I still get to learn something new and I get to help people every single day. And I think that really is what makes me um, happiest to get up in the morning and tackle customer experience um, every single day.
0: Tabitha, I can't wait to explore the six ground up um, CX practices that you've built. That's gonna be exciting to talk about that. But having said that, as CX professionals, I don't know that I've met anybody that woke up one morning when they were young and said, I want to be a CX professional. And so our listeners love to hear the career path um, of our guests. And so I'll ask you that same question. Talk to us about your career path, some of experiences that you've had along the way. How did you get doing what you're doing to be able to build those Six practices.
1: Oh. Uh, like many of you out there listening, the the journey was uh, was an unexpected and interesting <laughs> one. Um, I really started my career in in major account management and and operations. And so, for example, I mean, I everything from leading major account teams to being a major account manager, but also from being head of operations for. A small division where I did everything from I was a certified ISO auditor. I did quality programs. we built a new facility at the time. Um, I actually transferred and relocated and, and built the quality practice and put it in place for our new factory. Um, I've done everything from like the OSHA to engineering drawing configuration control, budgeting, operating structures new cadence. Um, and cadence and all of that led me to um, getting a role with Xerox. Um, it was at the time when, um, you know, now there's a Harvard Business Review article about the uh, recovery of Xerox. I think it was maybe a bit crazy on my part, but I, I love the journey I joined when Xerox was in the news every single day and people were like, are they going to go bankrupt? Are they closing their doors? And, you know, it was an incredible opportunity. And they said, hey, we'd like you to lead uh, major account management for services. I was in the printer division. And we want you to lead this customer advocacy team for service, which was really the team that handled the most difficult and really gnarly customer escalations. Um, oh, and we want you to run customer satisfaction. I'm like, Yeah, I'm good with those first two things, but what's this customer satisfaction thing? And they were like, Oh yeah, well, that's our, that's our customer survey program and our voice of customers. So that's, don't worry. You've got a, you've got a little team for that. You're, you're going to be in good shape and it'll be fine. I'm like, Oh, all right. Well, I get to learn something new and, uh, look forward to that. And during those, those five years at Xerox, um, I learned a lot about actionable customer feedback metrics and metric design to, you know, how to really persuade people to come along the journey of listening to customer feedback and, and acting on it. And at the same time, Xerox um, invested in becoming a Lean Six Sigma organization. They had already been a Malcolm Baldrige award winner and they really wanted to, to go all in that. And, and I was fortunate to be one of the leaders selected for their green belt program and being the first wave of certification. And I loved all that process improvement. I'd been doing that for my operations role. I had this customer facing side and I loved being able to add the lean six Sigma improvement capabilities. And they actually promoted me to be in the black belt program. I've been running initiatives for, um, Process improvement and change all across the business already, and I thought, well, this is great. I'll be even better at it. But I found I missed that customer satisfaction piece that I had left in my my old role. And at the time, customer experience was just really starting to become a job, so to speak. <laughs> and um, I came across this role at at Phillips. It was actually in their healthcare division, um, so. I was, was interested in like, what's this, you know, director of customer experience? And what they wanted was, you know, it was one of their core business principles was, you know, someone to come in and establish, you know, what does this business principle mean for us? How do we utilize customer feedback and customer experience? Um, as part of the way we operate in our business and improve things. And I'm like, that sounds like that's right up my alley. I would love that. And the end goal of that was supposed to be to, take whatever we learned and and piloted in in healthcare and take that out to the the lighting and consumer divisions. And over the course of those next three years, that's where I got my hands on NPS. Got a chance to work with Fred Reicheld and the team from Bain and our Phillips case study went into his book and um, we ended up, you know, really, I think it was great. We, my Lean Six Sigma um, background came into play because we embedded, customer feedback into our Lean Six Sigma program in a way that uh, meant that it was also part of the funnel of what projects would get picked up, but it was also part of key metrics for success for any of the Lean Six Sigma projects that would touch a customer and ended up being on their, um, on the steering board for that project selection and project progress overview. Um, And then I had an opportunity to get promoted. They were like, Oh, you've done this customer experience thing, you've done a good job. It's, you know, we're, we're rolled it out across the whole company. Um, now let's have you go do something else. And I'm like, Oh, you know, I really like this customer experience. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I still remember my, my boss at the time was like, that's not a real job. And I'm like, I I really feel like it is though. Oh my I gosh,
0: that's not that, I love that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and, and admittedly, I could get her perspective. Like, it wasn't like there were a lot of people out there doing customer experience, much less whatever that was. And right. so, but I'm like, you know, really, this is what I want to do. And so, uh, once again, my patient family relocated with me and I went to go um, build customer experience um, retention um, and our customer experience and retention for the software as a service division in Citrix. Um, so that was all the go-to products at the time. Go to meeting, go to assist, go to webinar. Um and that was where I really took my my customer experience background from, you know, a focus on process improvement, experience improvement, where I learned a lot about customer feedback, particularly in the quantitative side, metric design, all of that. That's where I got my hands on design thinking and got to go to the Stanford D school and and work with some really great partners to really apply design thinking in our division. I got deep into the quantitative side of operational data because I owned customer retention for a SaaS um, division. We built predictive analytics models that said, here's what, you know, depending on what customers do in the product, everything from how they buy, how they use it, um, I could tell what your customer lifetime was going to be and how happy you were going to be and how likely you were to renew year over year and our model became so predictive that finance eventually took it over because we could predict revenue more effectively than they could using a mix of their financial forecast models and our customer behavior models. We'd merged them together. Um, and had a chance to have some great data scientists who worked for me in, in those years. So got to spend a deep amount of time on that data science side and bring design thinking into into my skill set. And that was just such a, an incredible ride that it was like, oh, you know what, um, when I was invited to, to take on a more senior and strategic role across all of Citrix in, in customer experience, I was like, yes, please, let's do that. Um, and that's where I got to deploy you know, my first ever customer maturity assessment, working with a team from Forrester and, and really like, how do we really take customer experience management to the next level? And, and along came this company called Concur, who wanted to hire me away to do this customer experience thing one more time. <laughs> and I was like, "Wow, what a great opportunity!" Um, not only for where you know Concur was headed; they were about to be acquired by SAP, and it was a lot of transformation down the road. They were at a pivotal point. They had already had a great customer experience, but wanted. Um, to take it and scale it and so there was great challenges to build it from the ground up what did it need to be um, but also how could we materially change things for the better for our customers our employees and our business at the same time and you know at that point I remember looking back and going yeah you know what this customer experience job it's a real thing and <laughs> I love doing this um, and you know we did I think so many phenomenal things from really partnering and leading to drive the transformation of our global services organization to building a voice of customer and customer insights program that I think was by the end of year three, I had customers come up to me at annual events and so forth and say, when am I getting my survey this year? I'd be like, you know, I can't tell you that because it's random. You will get it if you haven't gotten it already. Like, well, can you just verify I haven't accidentally opted out? Yep, we could totally do that. I, we, the team will check for you. Um, Because I have really, like, we had built so much trust, not just my team, but all of the business leaders, and we listened to our customers. We learned what mattered most to them. We picked up things that needed to be improved and showed material improvement. And we went back to customers and said, look look at what we learned and what we did with what we heard from you. And if you, you know, it's great to share your voice one-on-one. I had so many great conversations with our customers over the year, but if I don't have a quantitative data case that says this is a really impactful problem to solve, it's a big problem. And here's what happens when we get this wrong in the customer's business, there's impact we have on them. Um, That helped me build cases for what we should pick up and transform in the business. Mm -hmm. And so they really got that. And they were like, I want my voice heard. Like I need to be (laughs) on that list. (laughs) And I had, you know, I did an annual customer report um, that really, like we sent out to all our customers and to all of our customer facing employees. And it said, here's what we learned and what we heard. Here's the, all the different teams across the business that improved your experience last year based on what they heard from you. And here's a sneak peek of what we're going to do this next year. And by the end of my time in concur, I had, I had to shorten it because it was too long. I had to have like a, a webpage where I could showcase so many of the teams because, you know, employees get so much out of weight. I did something that made a difference. That's so awesome. Like they feel that, that energy and that connectedness to, to really being able to have an impact. Um, and make things better, not just, you know, the business more efficient or help us grow revenue, but to help people adds that incredible, you know, layer of purpose that makes it so meaningful. And, and then um, SAP said, you know, you know what, this, you've also, like I was helping start grassroots, other CX functions and other divisions of SAP. And apparently that just uh, meant that I needed to to do it formally. And so the next thing I you know, SAP asked me to step out of my concur role and take on that role for, for all of SAP. And that was, you know, what I was knee deep into figuring out and doing when Ericsson came along and asked me to uh, come be their chief customer officer and head of global sales um, excellence, which is really it's sales operations, sales enablement, sales process, employee experience and and change management and product management for the internal capabilities like e-commerce and CRM. And mm. since I had led so many of those types of transformations and digital um as well as customer experience, I was like, that sounds like a really great job. And they're like, oh, and we want you to move to Stockholm too. And <laughs> once again was like, sure, we could move again. Why not? Um and and that that was really the the next adventure in customer experience where I spent a lot of time on um what's our strategy, what's our intended future customer experience, like what do we need to work on together? Um and that leads me to sort of like my my sixth adventure that I, I alluded <laughs> to. So I moved back to the United States earlier this year. Um I'm located outside of uh Seattle, Washington in lovely Bellevue. And I have stepped into what I think is an incredible transformation role for Hitachi, um, which is, to me, it's, I love what we do. It is really empowering, you know, social innovation, doing technology for good and good of the world, good of our people all across the world. It's It's To me, it's it's been an incredible ride already. Just getting to know what we do and and what value and impact we bring to to the world, and the chance to build a best practice customer experience program as well as drive customer centric transformation across the business is she could probably guess (laughs) is my biggest passion and. I am, I'm really thriving in that role today and getting the opportunity to, to work with people in, uh, and yet another new industry and focus as well. Goodness gracious. I tell that story and I realize it sounds incredibly long, but <laughs> it's given me the opportunity to work hands on in every part and type of discipline there is for customer right. experience. Um, I've done it all and I have taught it and mentored and grown and worked with so many wonderful people in my teams over those years. None of those accomplishments were ones I did on my own. Every single one of them required not just my team, but a village of wonderful people who leaned in to to help and support um, for every one of those changes. And that's probably the last thing I'd say that I, I love the most is being able to persuade people to go along that journey for change with you it means really listening to them as much as you listen to customers and helping solve problems for them. Um, but it also means that you get to make uh, friends and colleagues for life. And that, I think, turns out to be truly rewarding in addition to all the other aspects of my job.
0: Well, and Tabitha, thanks for that, um, for sharing your journey. You're right about your observation in terms of all aspects of. Customer experience, customer success. Another observation I had when listening to your career path was you're able to uh, cross industries and uh, you, you didn't stay within healthcare or within software or, you know, you were able to transition across industries and that's something I hear Frequently from CX professionals about the fact that you know if they're in a particular industry they're kind of stuck there. They but but you've demonstrated that CX skills are transferable across industries. Did you have to convince employers of that, or how did that come to be?
1: Uh, you know, I think that it, that's a, a tough question to to answer in a in a short way. But I'll do my best here and say that <laughs> y- you know. It depends on the role they're hiring for. It, there are two types of, of ways that that people hire that first CX leader. Um, it's either they're hiring or promoting someone from within, right, who is um, deeply passionate about this and customers and wants to take on that challenge. And they have the Industry expertise, they have the company knowledge, they have the relationship networks, they have probably a track record of being successful because they're being given this big opportunity. But they are missing what the heck is customer experience, and what is the the, the capabilities um, that you need to to do the job right? The other side is is the people like me who have those capabilities and the experience doing this and six times doing it, I've never built the same exact program because it's really about what does, how does our company operate? What does the business need? What do our employees and key stakeholders need? What do our customers need? And that's what we need to structure and, and roll out that knowledge of how to do that. Um, is not industry specific. And when you can tell that story and say, It always starts with that listening journey. I'm listening to employees at all levels. What do employee feedback say? I wanna look at employee surveys. I wanna know what every single senior executive in the company, all of my peers are saying about what matters most to them. What are the challenges they're trying to solve? What are the pain points they have? Um, What might it take to, to really move the needle together as well as spending all that time with customers? And when you have that ability to tell that story and say, yeah, it's not about the industry. Yes, I have to do that, but I don't need to be an industry expert. Do this. All of you in the company are industry experts. I have to lean on you for that knowledge. You need to lean on me for my knowledge. That makes Mm. us partners in this journey. And when you can really share that perspective, uh, that I think helps tremendously. Sure. It would probably be great if I could understand a lot more about how to make a bullet chain or how to build energy grids. Um, But we have thousands of people who are going to always know that way better than I do. That's their job and that's their expertise. And they've spent a lifetime building that. And I totally respect that. My job is to understand how can I help them be more successful and changing the way that we work so we have that positive impact on the business, our customers, and our employees. And that's an expertise that they don't necessarily have. So it's, you know, how we get better together. The industry in the end won't matter. It's the people who matter. And how do we, how do we lean on each other for our expertise?
0: I think that's a really excellent uh, approach that you take. I, I remember when I started a job a number of years ago, and the CEO met with me and said, you know, they they were they were bringing somebody in from quote unquote the outside, and they had not done that in the past, and said, you know, what I'd like you to do is spend the next few weeks listening, and then come back to me and tell me what you heard. And it was it was a it was a significant event for me because it really gave me the opportunity, like you said, to listen to all levels. All functions, all roles across the organization, and then come back and have a very interactive discussion with the CEO. Um, and it just it just gives you a wonderful perspective on on the state of affairs of your new company and where you're at and what what the opportunities are and what the challenges are going to be.
1: But also what the strengths are, right? I mean, right? <laughs> it's not it's not my job ever to come in and say, "Well, everything's broken," and I'm here to fix it. <laughs> right. That I would be full of crap if I said that. (laughs) It is not. There are many kinds of excellence, obviously, in any company already. And knowing what they are, as well as knowing what great things do we already do for our customer experience, is really important. you got to build on those. But you also want to make sure when you make changes, you're not breaking any of those things either. That's super important. It's not about, I'm here to save the day I brought my cape. It's much more about, Let me listen and and understand what do we need to most focus on right now? And how do I help all of us move forward together? And I think that, you know, that makes it maybe sometimes seem really slow in the beginning. um, But it helps you gather speed much more quickly and be more successful in bringing people along for that journey. Tabitha,
0: would you... Again, that's quite interesting that it might be slow in the beginning, but, ex, but it gives you the momentum you need to accelerate change. Did, would you say, I, I'm assuming that's a learning that you had. Are there other key learnings you've had across this journey uh, of experiences that you've had that kind of stand out or stick up in your mind as, as really things you lean on as as key learnings in this journey?
1: Ah another very good question. You know, there are three core areas of of expertise that a CX leader or an aspiring CX leader should be working on. You know, first of course is hands-on customer experience. Like, can you do journey mapping? Can you lead workshops? Can you do focus groups? Qualitative, you know, review interviews. Can you do, you know, quantitative design? Can you do data analytics? How about data governance and personal information privacy? Like, I know far more than maybe whoever wanted to know about personal information privacy laws around the world, or, you know, how do you build governance models to experience design and design thinking to strategy and metric design? All of those great sort of CX capabilities um, are incredibly important to have, but to be successful. You also need these two other sets of capabilities. And, you know, the, the second set is, you know, there are other things that you need to know how to do. And I think many of you probably were listening, have thought about this. Like I make everybody in my organization get change management certified. I am a particular fan of ProSci. I really appreciate the car model. And it is incredibly helpful in understanding that a big part of what you need to do to get resources to get commitment, to get money uh, to support any changes you want to make. Uh, you have to bring people along that ad car model and help them really understand and be aware of the problem, agree we have a problem, desire to change the problem, so we can get to the knowledge of fixing it. So that you know is to me really important that all of my team has that grounding and that capability. You also need other things like okay, how do you become a good storyteller, how to do persuasion and influencing, how to have you know better types of content and and material design for your communications and so forth. So those types of of business skills you know are really valuable in aiding you in being successful in carrying the voice of the customer into the business and acting on it effectively. Uh, it's, it, when you can speak the language of, of finance, you know, for example, I had a great relationship with our CFO in Erickson, um, to the extent that, you know, he trusted me enough to ask me to be on one of his core project teams for one of the transformations he was making. And that type of building relationships is super important for that third category, which is, you know, senior leaders, um, as you move from manager to director, director to VP, and then into that senior executive and C-suite role, they often you know, tell you what made you a good individual contributor isn't what makes you a great manager. What made you a great manager isn't what's going to make you a great director. What makes you a great director doesn't make you a great VP. Like, How do you really learn the types of skills and the expectation of how you should spend your time? when you're at that level. And one of the things that I think is often underestimated is that the more senior you are, the more you work with senior executives, the more that it is about relationship building. It's about um, building a strong network of advocates, people who can be great mentors and advisors. Like I'm trying to figure out what's the best way for us to solve this problem. I'd like your feedback or what am I missing? Who else should I talk to about this thing? Building that, you know, ability to to really have a strong network of peers and that next layer up for you, whatever level you're at in your career is incredibly important because, as I said, it does take a village. I think we all know that, which means you can't do it on your own, you can't do it with just your team. you really do have to have that great network building capability and as someone who is I think of myself as a fairly poor networker I'm an introvert. I love people individually. Crowds make me uncomfortable. <laughs> um, but you know, you, you have to lean into the power of positive politics. How do you really get to know people and understand what matters to them and find that connection in yourself to them so that the two of you connect in an authentic, real way? And it's not schmoozing or any of those things I'm terrible (laughs) at Uh, and and really then for me it's like how did I learn to do that in a way that was both authentic but I felt like you know it was something that I could be comfortable doing and build those those relationships because we lean on one another I can't tell you how many times people have reached out to me who are my peers saying I need your help can you help me with this like absolutely because we help one another. That's how we get things done. Um, we think of companies as sort of like, it's a name or it's a, oh, a monolithic entity, but nope, it's a bunch of good people who mostly wake up every single day, wanting to do their job well um, and, you know, get things done. And that means that, you know, they bring their personal selves and their, their work life together. And so making those connections becomes really valuable. But those are the three capabilities. Like, yeah, don't, don't just build your CX skills, which I highly value and have you know huge respect for, but build those other business capability skills, and then build that executive relationship building model and get good at making those connections. Um, that makes you successful in the end.
0: Those are really um, outstanding words of wisdom that you've shared through your experiences and your journey with our listeners. Um Before we, I can't believe how fast our time goes on these podcasts, it's so interesting to listen uh, to CX professionals as they navigate their journeys and their experiences, but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention your work with the CXPA, uh, Tabitha, so I wanted to just give an opportunity for you to share that work and um, what are some happenings within CXPA that you might want to share with our listeners.
1: Oh, I appreciate the opportunity to do that. You know, I, uh, I remember joining CXPA right at the really be- the beginning and it was still in that CXPA, this fantastic concept. Are there really that many of us doing this job now? How exciting. <laughs> <laughs> right? I loved it. I loved it. And I, uh, you know, from the beginning seized so many opportunities to to participate to learn from other incredibly talented people who are figuring out what they need to do in this world, um, to be more successful and have that positive impact But I've had a lot of chances to, to volunteer in so many different ways. And it was, you know, it's been an incredible honor to serve as part of the, the board of directors and this, this next, you know, this year I am, I'm vice chair, but this next year I step into a, uh, big shoes, Bob, <laughs> <laughs> from from our, our past, you know, um, yes. board chairs. And it's, you know, it's an incredible opportunity to continue to listen to our members and my fellow colleagues in this space about what do you need most to be successful and what we're going to focus on. And I, I love the fact that this you know, we are drinking our own champagne in the sense that we are listening to our members and saying, you know, what matters most to you across the globe in every part of the world. We listen and we have out of that long list of things that you want from us um, as those who are, are serving you in, in a leadership capacity. We've picked those that, that matter most. Um, and that's what we're going to focus on. So under the under the umbrella of CX professionalism it is a real job. It is a set of real experience and capabilities. You know, we are continuing to drive forward on the key areas that, that matter most to you. So that's, you know, ensuring we do more to provide research and data and insights to support that customer experience has a tremendous value for businesses, particularly in turbulent times. You know, I, I don't ever, you know, I'm not the sort of person, I guess, that jumps into a job that says it's all set and I'm going to run that smooth engine. I love the challenge of the messy middle and how do I help help us find a way um, to make things better? And I think that's an, an often a trait CX leader's experience. Like how do we give you the right research and knowledge to really help build that case with your executives and help in that that knowledge and relationship building? And the second key area that we're focusing on is is education and content that matters to you, you know, particularly, you know, the call for even better and more online content that meets you where you're at, not just for those of you who are new CX professionals or early in your career, but all along the level of maturity and experience that you have, um, all the way up to you know those of us who are learning new tricks every day and and working on that how do we provide you with access to that um and really encouraging um the ability to to grow your yourself in that way which leads us to sort of that third area which is growing your cx career and and how do we help you with that and probably one of my favorite things we're doing is um taking the mentoring program which i was a proud to serve and and support and do many, many years. And we're updating it so that it's much more relevant. It's easier to find the right mentor for the right challenge you're trying to solve at the time. How do you know? Um, who do you need to talk to? Maybe it's, it's a career challenge you want to talk to. And you want to talk to someone like me that you're like, well, how did you make this pivot? Or how did you do this? Or Maybe it's a stakeholder engagement problem. You're like, well, how did you persuade IT to be a good partner with you in this? And, you know, maybe there's somebody, you know, else that is the perfect person to talk to about that. Or maybe it's, wow, I've never done design thinking and I'd really like to learn more about that. And how do I get involved and do that? And where's a mentor that can help introduce me to that and get me started on learning that new skill or whatever else you might need that a mentor is available? It's the best way to be able to, to really access the full depth and breadth of the knowledge and the incredible the professionals we have all across the world um, and i think that that's that's really exciting that those three key areas are going to be huge for us um, in the year ahead and we continue to, to focus and invest on all of you
0: that sounds like three great areas and another observation is I think Tabitha Dunn's plate will be full in 2023, just a guess on my part <laughs> as chairperson of the CXBA and your new role at Hitachi. It, it certainly is going to be a lively 2023 for you.
1: I I agree, and I am very excited about it. It's going <laughs> to be a great year.
0: Uh, it's been great speaking with you today, Tabitha, and having you share your experiences we certainly appreciate it. And thank you for joining the podcast today.
1: Thank you for having me, Bob. And if anybody else wants to reach out to me and find me, uh, I am I am on LinkedIn. Please do reach out, connect. Um, and I look forward to hearing stories of many of our CX professionals on your podcast going forward on how they're being successful and what are they learning and growing and doing
0: and i and i would just echo tabitha is uh, comment about connecting as she's uh, she says she's an introvert but she might be masquerading as an extrovert because she's wonderful at at connecting with people i guess you did say that you said one on one you're great but she's great at connecting with people and being very supportive and so um she's a true cx professional so we appreciate that thank you This has been another episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast. I'm your host, Bob Asman. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your network. And as always, tune in to my fellow podcasters on the CX of M radio network for other interesting episodes and stay tuned for future episodes of this podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered CX.